1: Welcome to episode 54 of Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network. It's now time to catch them all with your hosts... It's once again just me, but this is the last time before Kyle comes home and sees the mess that I've made. It's me, I'm Doug, also known as Icky Bully, um, and I am joined once again by a guest, but before I introduce that guest, a bit of business. To listen to this show, find us anywhere you listen to your podcast, such as Stitcher or iTunes. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. So like I said, I'm joined by a guest. This is a guest who's never been on Victory Road before, so it'll be nice to get to know a new voice, and new personality, and I guess without further ado, uh, hi Josh, how's it going? Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. Welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to be here. So since you haven't been on here and our listeners don't know you yet, I guess the the best place to start would be sort of with your Pokemon origin story. Um, how did you get into it? When did you get into it? And kind of what has that looked like for you?
0: I got into it when it first came to America, I suppose. When I was a kid, Red and Blue came out and it was all the hysteria. And, uh, <laughs> collected the cards, watched the anime, played Red and Blue. And then it was just kind of all from there. I collected the cards and played every game ever since.
1: <laughs> nice. So you didn't, have, uh, you didn't have sort of like a uh, downtime and then come back to it. It was just kind of always there for you.
0: So there was definitely a little bit of a downtime in like the, like the diamond pearl region, but I never stopped Mm -hmm. playing it. You know what I mean? It just wasn't as big part of, of the, uh, the fun times for me.
1: Nice. Do you have like a particularly favorite generation or era of Pokemon? I would
0: say Gen 2 is my favorite games to Uh, play.
1: Yes. (laughs) They're so
0: good. (laughs) I I just really liked how they, you know, you went back to Gen 1 and it was just, it was really cool the way they set it up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are definitely faves around these parts. There's, I think there's just something about those games that came with an anticipation that I don't think can have happened since, you know what I mean? Like there's something about the second generation of a thing that has a particular unique excitement that other generations just can't quite have not not in any sort of detrimental way but just the first time you get more of something i think is always exciting
0: right and and as a kid back in the day you didn't have access to everything like we do now mm-hmm. so unless it, you saw something on a commercial or in a magazine everything was brand new and you just knew you were getting more of this thing you loved
1: Yeah, I don't know how I necessarily even found out those things as a kid, because I think I would have been, gosh, I would have been in like the sixth or seventh grade or somewhere around there, and I had to have known that there were new Pokemon games coming out, but it's not like I have distinct memories of television commercials for those games. Like, and I didn't subscribe to Nintendo Power or any of those magazines, so I'm not sure how I knew it was happening.
0: I think I think a lot of it was just word of mouth. And, and whether it was right or wrong, kids just kind of talked about everything. Yeah. So, like, you know, even, like, with Pika Blue, which yeah.
1: ended up being Meryl. <laughs> I do remember that, yeah. But. How did I know that? Yeah, exactly. There, somebody must have – it had to have come from somewhere. Like, I certainly wasn't the main source in my friend group for that type of information. Um, but I remember all those things, for sure. I do also remember – this would have been for – I guess crystal, but maybe we were doing it for gold and silver. I did have a friend who I would look at sprites for the games, but I don't know if that was just for crystal because did they move in crystal? I think they moved in crystal. I think Just they like did. ever so slightly. <laughs> yeah. Just like bobbing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember looking at those. I don't know if those were for... Crystal or for gold and silver, but in any case, I remember that. So I guess maybe that was where the source of our friend group information came from was this like one kid who happened to be on the (laughs) the internet at the time (laughs) because I certainly wasn't nice. Uh, So I guess what, what elements of it are you still sort of, uh, involved in, or is it kind of each element of it has come with you the whole way?
0: Um, so right now I, um, I play all the main, main series games. Mm -hmm. And the TCG is a big part part of it for me. Yeah, I play quote unquote competitively. Sure, um, you know I, I have a I have a wife and son, so I don't get to go to all the regionals and stuff like right. I like like I would like to if I was truly competitive. Mm-hmm. But um, you know I go to any regionals that are around me or local cups or challenges and stuff. Nice. Um, I thought about getting into VGC a little bit, but uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I I was. Um you know i was talking to a friend and we were i'm not competitive in in any realm it's it's all just sort of fun and hobby for me but i was i was talking to a friend and we were sort of talking about the competitive aspect of the games uh, like the core series games mm-hmm. and it really does feel like a lot of work and i'm sure it's it's fun for the people who do it or else they wouldn't do it but it 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 seems very meticulous and very Kind of specific and like mathematical in a way, like in a way that my brain doesn't quite <laughs> latch onto. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Like, and you need to know every type matchup and mm-hmm. the moves that are best in that situation. And you watch a game sometimes, and they just keep switching over and over again, and you're like, "What are you doing?"
1: But it's <laughs> it's because if you leave it there, you're just gonna lose. Right. Right. Yeah. I. Sh- you know, I should watch some of that stuff just to be a, a bit more exposed to it. Not that I'll necessarily pick up everything that's going on but just to get a sense of it I think would be would be a good idea I think I've watched like little bits and pieces just from like what pops up on Twitter when Mm -hmm. like a championship is happening or something like that but I've never never really sat down and watched like a full match or a full tournament or anything it's pretty cool yeah I imagine it would be fun to watch I mean it's it's fun to play so I I don't know why it wouldn't be fun to watch you know (laughs) right (laughs) So, today's episode is structured a little differently than we normally would because what we're trying to do is a bunch of different kinds of episodes about Sword and Shield in the wake of Sword and Shield's release. So, the games came out, what, like four weeks ago or maybe five weeks ago at the point of this release? Yeah, about that. So, you know, we need we need new things to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, for this one, what we decided to do in order to talk through our thoughts especially sort of late in the game, is to ask for feedback from folks who are listening or who follow us on Twitter. So what we did, if you didn't see, was we released basically five questions, even though they were all sort of multi-part, on our Twitter and ask folks to respond to those. So what Josh and I are going to do is we'll read, you know, one question and we'll read through the responses and then we'll just kind of talk about our thoughts on that thing and that's just sort of going to guide our conversation. But we really wanted to make sure that we were getting thoughts from folks as well so it wasn't just, you know, four weeks of me talking with, uh, you know, rotating guests. So now we got, we got some of your thoughts along the way too. So Yeah, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to get into before we dive right into the questions, but uh, that's kind of how we're doing things today. Not in particular. Cool. So the first question that we asked is kind of a staple question, I think, for any generation, and that is, which starter did you choose and why? Are you satisfied or are you feeling any regrets? And if you haven't played yet, which starter are you gravitating to? Joshua Aaron Moore at Kentucky Jam, who I'll also call out as sort of the MVP of this episode because I think he responded to nearly everything uh, right off the bat, which I appreciate, Josh. <laughs> he says, Grookey, because it's the grass type and I almost always go with the grass type. It's adorable and becomes a drum playing gorilla. Clearly, no regrets.
0: Kyle at Islands of Adventure, <laughs> which I don't think he's at Islands of Adventure anymore. Yeah,
1: I think it's probably um, changed locations by now. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Deadpool
0: Ranger, Score Bunny, no regrets whatsoever. I love my football playing Fire Bunny.
1: Matt Hunt at the real Matt Hunt says, Grookey, definitely satisfied. Though the pure typing does hurt me a little running around in the post game. Ice types during snow is, and I'm assuming there was a sad emoji there."
0: <laughs> <laughs> Making Christmas at Last RPG Hero said, "I pick Sobble, but I also really like Score Bunny. Not his wheelhouse."
1: <laughs> uh john Hendricks at jc hendrix 320 says i chose sobble he definitely has the best designs in my opinion especially drizzile i love his colors
0: katie Matisse at k matice said haven't played yet but i'm team sobble i normally do grass starters but how could i not pick a sad tadpole lizard
1: <laughs> yes the sad boy the sad boy <laughs> the gum under mark ruffalo's left shoe at Josh A, which is two y's and an underscore says score bunny i somehow managed to get by with no spoilers on the evolutions and i was completely satisfied with my choice cinderace not only has the best name but also seems natural we don't need a spy or a drummer to have an amazing team
0: <laughs> joel thespis punk at thespis punk 88 said sobble i always pick the water starter for my games i've grown to like the super spy slash secret agent final evolution which is pretty cool. I liked it.
1: Yeah, I like it too. And it seems like a lot of people gravitated that way because I think let's see if I'm not mistaken. What is that? That's like four people who said Sable. Three people I think, or maybe two people said Score Bunny. Yeah, I wanna and say it's then, two
0: Score Bunny and two Grokey.
1: Yeah. So I guess people sort of gravitated. At least folks who were <laughs> responding gravitated towards Sable. I chose Sable as well. Who did you end up choosing?
0: I actually picked Grookey. I uh okay. I'm a I'm a grass starter guy through and through.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I very much used to be exactly that cuz I chose, you know, Bulbasaur and then I just sort of like was like this is what I do now, right? And <laughs> then Gen 5 rolled around and I was like, but it's a pig that shoots fire out of its nose. <laughs> yeah, I really like Tepig too. Yeah, so that kind of uh that kind of I guess broke broke my streak and then I guess I was comfortable from there just continuing to to go with my gut. And it, it does tend to be at this point like a gut thing, but early on I, I saw Soble and I was like, I think it's gotta be the sad boy lizard, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, this this generation was really hard for me to, to pick, but I, I kind of just fell back on the because is what I do. And it was actually kind of funny because when he when Grookey first evolved, mm-hmm. I, I do not like that middle evolution Oh, all. no? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just looked at it and I was like, oh, I still love you. Yeah. You know, but like it was one of those things. I really like the end uh, evolution though. Um, R- Rillaboom, is that yes. his name? I
1: yeah, I always forget his name though because I uh, since I didn't start with Grookey, I got my starters through surprise trade. And the Grookey that I got was French, and so I, it, all of his names have been in French, and I keep forgetting what Rillaboom's actual name is as a result of that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it is Rillaboom. <laughs> it,
0: it usually takes me a while to figure out the names of all the new Pokemon, so usually on my first playthrough, I never mm-hmm. give anything nicknames. Yeah. Because I try to like learn the names first.
1: Yeah, that's, I don't, I don't do nicknames for that exact reason as well. I, and, and what's funny is when Let's Go came around, I was like, all right, this time I'm going to do nicknames because I don't have anything to learn. And I'm going to nickname everything, <laughs> not realizing that like a core mechanic of that game is to catch as much as possible. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and I was like, I'm like 300 nicknames in and I, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So uh I was it was refreshing to go back to not nicknaming things. But yeah, I think Rillaboom is really cool. Um I actually think all the starters this time around are really solid. There aren't any that I was particularly averse to, um, especially after spending some time with them.
0: I agree. I really liked all three of them.
1: Yeah, I uh I I, I like too that they all have a very sort of strong kind of theme or concept to them. Um, outside of just like whatever their animal inspiration is, I know a couple. You know, a couple folks mentioned the sort of like spy aspect of Inteleon, which I think mm. is very funny. That was the one that probably took the longest for me to to really, I guess, appreciate. Which is funny because it's the one that I chose, but uh, it's it's unique in that it's like this really sort of skinny, thin final evolution, which I don't think we've really gotten. They tend to be either you know big and hulky or sort of just humanoid proportions and this one doesn't fit into either of those so it's just sort of a different thing but yeah i like that they all have a really solid theme and and concept to them outside of just their animals yeah now at the point at which you're in the game i know you've you've pretty much finished all the campaign stuff right
0: yep I've, i've completed all that i'm and i've completed the uh the post game
1: too Nice. So, at this point, are you are you taking a break from it, or are you trying to fill the Pokedex, or what is your what do you do now typically?
0: So, I'm filling the Pokedex slash just kind of playing in the wild area and uh, fighting uh, (laughs)
1: in raid battles. Okay, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. It's it's amazing how much time I can spend in there.
0: Yeah, I think I've spent ninety nine percent of my time now that I've finished the story there, Mm -hmm. because you know you can just hop online and go into raid battles or just keep fighting pokemon or just there's like unlimited amount of time you can
1: spend there just hanging out yeah it's uh sort of a simple three things you can do but they never really get boring at least to me you know right so and i appreciate it, that
0: and if they keep doing like the event pokemon like they had the the butterfree and now they're gonna do the um they're doing the snorlax yeah it it kind of gives more and more stuff to do
1: yeah absolutely have you gotten your five star snorlax yet i haven't Oh, no. It keeps getting away from me. (laughs) Uh, The five-star... I don't know how I managed to get one, but it's probably the only, like, (laughs) five-star Gigantamax I've gotten. I haven't gotten any others except for Butterfree, and I don't even know if that's... I don't even know if that was a five-star Butterfree that I got. Um, It's really hard. I was really surprised at how hard it is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I kept... They kept getting away from me, or I couldn't finish it because at first I wasn't playing with other people online. Yeah. And I was playing with... um, the npcs they give you Mm -hmm. which are absolutely awful
1: oh they're so bad
0: but like once they started playing online it got a lot easier
1: yeah yeah they definitely they definitely made it so that you are compelled to find folks online to to play with yeah which i understand them doing i get why they did that but i do you know i was talking to somebody at work who plays this game as well and i said you know if they're going to have it so that your computer teammates are significantly weaker than you are, you should be able to have some sort of strategic control over how they operate. Even if you can't control each one of the computer players and every single thing they do, there should be some sort of element of choosing offensive or healing or something like that so that you can at least have a little bit of agency over the full battle. You know, knowing that there aren't other real humans on the other side.
0: Yeah, sometimes it was just like you wondered like what was the the code they wrote for this? Because like the Gigantamax Pokemon would put up the shield Mm -hmm. and all like the other three Pokemon would like do like helping hand or like some moves that didn't attack it. So it came back to me and I would take two of the shields out. But the problem is, is I only get three turns of Dynamax form. Right. So it's like, all right, I kind of wasted it just to break the shield.
1: Yeah. Well, it ends up feeling like you're compensating for pure randomness. Right. As opposed to when you're playing. Like, you, you might get people online who don't necessarily have strong strategy and... And you can only do so much because you don't know who you're playing with, right? Like you right. could be playing with a 10-year-old um, and they're just like kind of having fun. So when that's the case, you can compensate. Um, but when it's purely random, <laughs> there's not a whole lot you can do other than hope. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I wish there was just a little bit of, of something you could do. Um, even if you could just choose, I don't know, attack or special or, or you know, physical or special or... or Right. Neither or something, I don't know. Or if you could choose one of them to to Dynamax instead of just you being the only one or something like that. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what would what would help, but maybe anything.
0: <laughs> or or even
1: if the NPCs just
0: use the most effective move. Yeah. Like one of the NPCs one time had a Jolteon which used a um used a, an electric attack, I can't remember what it was, but it was super effective on it, and did a good amount of damage. Right. But the next turn they did double kick did no damage. I'm like <laughs> just keep like, all you the have to one do thing. Is just keep doing it, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know. It would be interesting to see like how they decided to to program those and and what they're supposed like supposed to do. Right. If anything other than flip a coin or spin a wheel or whatever. Right. So the next question we asked was still about the Pokémon themselves and we asked, "Who is your favorite Pokémon in Galar? What's your team looking like? And if you've completed the main campaign," Who was on your championship team? And we got two responses for this one. So Joshua Aaron Moore at Kentucky Jam says, Love Applin. Love how much my girlfriend loves Sable. Still only halfway through the gym challenge and don't have a full rotation established, but my three mainstays are Deedle, who's a Corvanite, Caesar, who's a Rillaboom, and Il- Ilocalore, who is a Colossal, which is roly-coly spelled backwards. <laughs> 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 awesome. Took me a second, and I was like, "Where did this name come from?" And then it <laughs> then it clicked.
0: <laughs> That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. So John Hendricks at JC Hendricks 320 100 percent Flapple is my favorite Galar Pokemon. It may even dethrone my top five. I played blind, so it was a shock when I was able to evolve him. Always talk to every NPC. My team was thrown together, a mess of randos to evolve, but Antillion, whom I named Bubble O Seven
1: which is awesome. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I, d- <laughs> I even read that earlier and it didn't, it didn't click until you said it out loud. <laughs> That's amazing.
0: Uh, Corviknight and Flapple were my mainstays. Uh, Galarian, Darmanitan, put in work though. Galarian, uh, Darmanitan, I didn't even know it was in the game until I played it. Cause I, I, very much stayed away from spoilers and stuff.
1: Yeah, me too. So did you know any of the, any of the species, like the new stuff or the Galarian forms beforehand?
0: So all I knew was what was an officially released, like, video. Ah,
1: same. Except for one thing that I... I saw Corsola. I saw Galarian Corsola just come on my timeline. But that's the only thing I saw outside of a officially released stuff.
0: Yeah, I, w- I wanted to go into this one like I did back in the day, where I just... Unless it was officially released in, like, a, a magazine, which magazines don't really... Aren't a thing anymore. Yeah. They are, but you
1: know what I mean. Right, right.
0: Unless it was, like, an officially released video by Pokemon, I didn't want to see it.
1: Yeah, that's how I was too. I, you know, I've mentioned this a couple times, but Sun and Moon, I love those games, but nothing was a surprise. You know, everything was so, and it it wasn't even just the leaks. I mean, the leaks were super bad for that because everything was mined. But also just the promotional stuff revealed so, so, so much that I was in the same boat as you. I just wanted to go in and only know what they told me. And anything they showed me, I would, I would look at. Um, but I really appreciated how little they, they decided to reveal. Because it resulted in that feeling of exploration that I had early on in Red and Blue or Gold and Silver or, or games I played prior to being really involved on the Internet.
0: Yeah, it was cool, and they like they didn't even show the final evolutions of the starters.
1: Oh, I know, which was so like such a hot topic. But I I kind of loved it.
0: <laughs> at first, I was like, oh, this kind of stinks because I don't know what I want to pick because the final evolution is what
1: you have right. at the end of the day. Yeah.
0: But like when I went to start the game, I was like, I don't care. i, yeah. like, I I'm just gonna pick what I want and go from there.
1: Yeah, it's been such a fun fun experience to to be surprised and to be surprised so often not just by what a particular evolution is but literally just things that pop up on your screen because you see it in the corner of the screen walking around in the grass and you're like I can't tell what that is and so then you you know you actually go and you interact with it and it's just – I don't know. There's something about it that, that was sort of rejuvenated this time around that I, I haven't had the past couple of generations, and I, I love that.
0: I, I loved it because, like, every five seconds, I was like, oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. what is that? Oh. You know, <laughs> like, the when it first started in, in the opening ceremonies with Rose, and he had that – um the elephant Pokemon there. Yeah. Like Paparajas on of all form. I can't remember his name right now. Mm-hmm, but, like, yeah. I was just like, oh, cool. Like, an <laughs> elephant. <laughs> like –
1: Yeah, even even just the fact that in that opening ceremony, they showed a bunch of characters, but didn't necessarily introduce much about them. So as I was playing through the game, I was like, I saw this character and I don't know enough, but I probably can assume that I need to prepare this way. But I was really good about also like not looking things up along the way and just sort of like going with my gut and going with what I thought was the right thing to do. And it was just I don't know. It was a very, very cool way to go about things. The Galarian forms especially were fun because we knew they were gonna happen, but we didn't know the full extent to which Pokemon were gonna get them or how far they were gonna take the idea that things could evolve further or in certain circumstances differently. So running into those types of things was really, really incredible. Um Meowth and Berserker really stand out to me as two moments where I just like audibly gasped. <laughs> Because right. I was like, cool. oh my gosh, like this is totally unexpected.
0: <laughs> I uh, I really liked Obstagoon because it was like the first time, like we, we had gotten the, the variations between regions before, yeah. but we never really had like, okay, this is a variation. And then in this specific region, it can evolve further.
1: Yeah. Which yeah. I thought was really cool. I love this trajectory, right? Because in Alola, there were things that were different evolutions but they were still things we'd seen to some extent so we had we knew what a raichu was this raichu just looks different we right. knew what an executor was this one just looks different but Obstagoon is totally new to us berserker right. is totally new to us um, and that's two different kinds of evolution they sort of introduced where mm-hmm. lunu never evolved before now it does but only here and then meowth used to evolve this way and now it evolves this way they just like created more branched evolution which i'm all for yeah i i love it you know and, and the berserker thing's really cool because like we had seen in another region
0: it still evolved into a persian right but in this one for some reason it doesn't which is
1: awesome and i had no no idea that they were going to do that i don't know if they gave much indication that that was something that they were even hinting at so when it you know when I saw that there was a Galarian Meowth I was like okay well surely they've learned their lesson from Alolan Persian and this Persian will look cool so I made sure that Meowth was in my team because I wanted to see what the next Persian looked like the fact that it's not a Persian at all amazing (laughs) yeah I thought that was pretty cool yeah so who ended up on your championship team if you recall
0: so I had the the Mm Rillaboom I had uh, Obstagoon Nice. Toxtricity. Yes. <laughs> which I love.
1: I love that that Pokemon. Easily one of my favorites from this generation.
0: I had Gyarados, Corviknight, and uh Togekiss.
1: Nice. Okay. I uh I, I only had I think two of those that overlapped with you because I had my Inteleon, I had oh gosh, I got it. this is gonna be hard for me to think about. I had Inteleon, I had Corviknight, I had I think a Cinderace I had added to my team, which I was really <laughs> conflicted about, but I was like, I have no fire type, so I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. Um, I think I had my Alchemy and my Toxtricity, and then what was my sixth? It might have been Thievul, because I had <laughs> Thievul with me for much of the game. It was either Thievul or Perserker. I don't remember which one. Um, I would have to check, because Thievul I had for a really long time and then decided that it didn't make a whole lot of sense to keep him in my team when so many of my other Pokemon could kind of do some of the things um that that it could do um, yeah. but I really like it and I felt really attached to it so I kept popping it back into my team occasionally just because
0: <laughs> I, I actually did the same exact thing but I ended up getting rid of it because at one point half my team was all dark Pokemon
1: yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I was just like all right I gotta <laughs> change this up a little bit <laughs> yeah it's funny I um you know probably up until probably up until just last generation really. I was very, very much like sort of, I don't know, basic types isn't really like a fair thing to say, but I stuck to the types that you sort of learn earliest on. And so my team largely would be, you know, here's my one water type, my one fire type, my one grass type, you know, my one electric type, those types of things, the most straightforward typing relationships to understand and then something in the last generation really clicked for me and a lot of the i guess more technical types i don't even know if that's an accurate way to describe them sort of seeped their way into my team in a way that they hadn't before so i you know pre-marina is a fairy type i couldn't change that that wasn't really a choice it just happened but it 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 made me really appreciate that type alolan muck i had in my my uh party and that kind of got me used to like poison types and the types of things that they can do and in, in really advantageous ways mm-hmm. um and just things like that i you know learning how dark works and and all that so this time around my team looked very different than it it typically would have because it wasn't just a prescribed you know one of each starter type one of this and one of that and it, it made for a, a cooler team i think nice yeah
0: which uh toxtricity did you get
1: so the first one I got, um, I can't remember what their forms are called, but I had the yellow and purple one um, first. I think that's the Amped one. Yes. 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 That's, I think that's right. And had no idea that there was a second form until I had seen it come up a few times and was like, that's not just shiny. There's something different about it. <laughs> and then I decided to actually look it up because the chest is different and that's what tipped me off.
0: Right. I actually got the other one, the low something or whatever. Yeah, Um, but I had actually by the time I evolved it, someone had posted on Twitter the other version, Uh and I was like, "That doesn't look the same." Yeah, so like that's what like made me like go online. I'm like, "Oh, there's two versions." Like, yeah, like I had no idea.
1: And there's no real explanation for it. (laughs) Just (laughs) like have two versions. I love stuff like that because it makes me feel like they had two different potential evolutions and just someone was like, I don't know. Why not both? You know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and I why love not? situations like, yeah, why not? So I, that one is, is, is so cool. I love that. I love that Pokemon. It's, it's so kind of bizarre and unique in the world too. Cause it's not obviously based on any sort of animal. I guess it, it right. could be sort of a lizard, but it's also a bit humanoid. I don't know. It just is what it is. And I, I, I dig that. It's just like an eighties rocker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I love the, um, what are they called? The maximizers? <laughs> that, oh, yeah. The band in the credits. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, in the last episode I did with uh, Derek and Pocky Squirrel, as a joke, because I had mentioned a number of Pokemon that sort of play instruments or are sort of musically themed, Derek asked, like, are all these Pokemon in a band together? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, actually, they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was cool uh finding out they had like a whole name and i ended up seeing somebody post the jacket that you can buy so i went out and bought the the jacket for my oh, cool. my character and yeah that'll be a jacket you can buy in real life eventually i'm oh, sure absolutely. it'll be super expensive and it won't fit because it'll be in japan but <laughs> oh yeah they're extra large is a small here. yeah <laughs> cool. yeah but uh i'm gonna keep my eyes peeled anyway
0: <laughs> absolutely that'd be cool
1: What are some other standout uh, Pokemon from this generation that uh, either you really sort of gravitated to or that surprised you?
0: Um, I really liked uh, Galarian Weezing. I thought he was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and I like his typings, too. Poison Fairy, I thought that was good.
1: Yeah, they did a lot of really unique typings this time around. It feels like they made a concerted effort to fill in some dual-type gaps.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really liked, uh, was it Grapple Lock? he's like the octopus yes. that's like a luchador
1: yes i love that and it it really threw me off to learn that it's just fighting type because you mm-hmm. encounter it almost entirely in the water right <laughs> so i couldn't figure out like why is none of this working <laughs> you know like toxicity you're doing real bad here <laughs> <laughs> I, I
0: i really like the um uh, the gmax form of uh lapras lapras is my favorite pokemon ever oh yeah nice so um i really like that um there was a G-Max form
1: of it. I'm I'm all
0: for new forms.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's also another sort of musically themed one. Yeah, absolutely. There, it's, you know, I, when I see people do like Fakemon or Concepts and stuff, a really common additional typing is like a sound type. Yeah. And at this point, like, they're really building up a whole pool of uh, Pokemon that are sort of <laughs> themed around music or sound, so... Even like moves too. Yeah, exactly. I, I doubt they're rearing up to add any types, but if they did, I feel like that would be a pretty close to the top of the list. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. I also really liked the uh, the impidimp line there.
1: I yeah, that was pretty cool. Impidimp is such a good Pokemon in concept. It's not one of my favorite designs, but I I sort of have grown to like it simply because the concept is so good. Just its, its personality, its typing based on what its concept is, is so mm-hmm. smart. The fact that it's fairy and dark and it's supposed to be an imp. Um, I was not expecting it to evolve even once, let alone twice. So that was kind of a a really fun experience to be like, wait a second, there's more?
0: I was actually really excited to catch that one because of that. It was shown in that like twenty four hour like yeah. live stream they did. Yeah. But then never really gave
1: information about it. Yeah. So I was excited to kind of grab it and check it out. And actually kind of figure out what it's about. Yeah. And then its Gigantamax form is out of control. Oh yeah. <laughs> it is I don't know. I, I don't want to say it's like the least Pokemon thing ever because it's still very obviously a Pokemon, but it's it's so reminiscent of like other things, too. Like the like if you I don't know if people haven't seen uh, Grimmsnarl's Gigantamax form, it's just like a massive like human proportion, I guess, hair covered goblin like it's just i don't know how else to describe it
0: it it reminds me of like a mutated green goblin from spider-man
1: yeah yeah it's got it's got that going on it's kind of got the proportions of like a a large mech yeah it's i don't know there's something about it that feels otherworldly <laughs> yeah it's, it's different yeah yeah but i love it it was such a fun surprise what other standout pokemon are there there's some i mean there's definitely some some characteristic weird ones with, uh I, you know, both of the people that gave feedback gave us feedback about the Applin line. Yeah. That's such a fun one. It's so weird, but it's so fun.
0: It's super interesting. And like, yeah. I see why it's a fan favorite.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. They're, they're, uh, it, I wonder if they know which ones are going to be fan favorites and which ones aren't, because some of them have to be unexpected, right? Like, people are obsessed with Snom. And I uh-huh. get it because it's adorable and it's like literally just a little bean. But people love it, and I, I wonder if they knew that was going to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you have to wonder what they think when they're making the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you know they know when things are head-scratchers, right? Like, they knew Ice-Q was going to be a head-scratcher. Right. But I wonder if they can really ever truly anticipate which ones are going to stick the way that they do. right. So the third question that we asked was, what are your favorite locations? How are you enjoying the story and the legend of Galar? And how does Galar stack up? Just in general compared to other, I guess, stories and environments. Once again, we got two pieces of feedback on this. Uh, John Hendricks at JC Hendricks 320 said, Excluding the wild area because that looked horrid, the game was beautiful. I loved Galler. I'd say the thing that took me out of it the most was how empty the cities and routes felt. Not to mention the render distance was atrocious. But the way they did the gyms was my favorite addition.
0: Joshua Aaron Moore at Kentucky Jam said, I like Galar. Uh, wish it connected to Kalos in-game, far as I know it doesn't. But I feel like GS spoiled us in that respect. Locales, <laughs> <laughs> locales feel unique enough. Will be fun to revisit once I'm finished.
1: I know. Ever since uh, Gold and Silver, we've just been crossing our fingers over and over and over again for some sort of connection like that one had. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and, and I don't know if we'll ever get that, honestly. I don't think we will. <laughs> it, it's a whole different... Ball game now that like you know the games back then were were very small mm-hmm. in respects to what they are now. Right, right, for sure. But like this this region, I actually really liked compared to last generation. Honestly, oh yeah, I, I like Sun and Moon, but mm-hmm. like it definitely was closer to the bottom of the barrel for me. Sure, in the rankings.
1: Mm-hmm. Not to say it was bad. Like all Pokemon games are at the top of the video game pool for <laughs> me. Right. There always has to be a bottom of any given list, even if you love everything on the list, you know?
0: Right. And, and I don't, you know, I don't want to be one of those people like, oh, why'd they get away from the, the gym leaders? But because mm-hmm. I like that they tried something new. Yeah. But now that they
1: tried something new, I, I see it wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess that's, that's really the only way to kind of solidify preferences is to see something a little bit different you know so right. that, that makes a lot of sense i am a big fan of alola but i i was happy that we got a region that felt bigger and more open because one of the downsides to alola being an archipelago is that you're you're on islands and you can right. only be so expansive when you have an island setting because you're surrounded by water constantly so it did feel a little bit confined this feels anything but to me right which i'm i'm really excited about
0: one big thing about galar that i really really liked was the fact that it felt like being a pokemon trainer was actually a profession yeah not just like a bunch of kids playing
1: yes they nailed the cultural aspect of this region i think
0: i agree and you know like in past games i'm sure people have talked about this to death but in past games you go to a gym and it would just be you and some weird old guy you know <laughs> yeah but, like, in this, it's, like, an actual thing you're going to, like, almost like going to a concert or a sporting event, you know. It's yeah. it's an actual event you're going to, so it actually gives credence to it.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I like the fact that they allude to there being sort of a season for this, kind of like right. sports have a season. The fact that you have to register and be sponsored, that everybody starts at the same time and it culminates – to a particular end, you know, those are the types of things that just kind of make more sense in a world that's never necessarily claimed that it needed to make sense. (laughs) Um, But I appreciate it nonetheless, you know, because it's it's the type of question we've been asking for like 20 some years is like, how exactly do the gyms work? You know, (laughs) this one is really straightforward about it. You do this one first and you make your way through this and they don't just talk about it as if it's arbitrary. You know, they, they talk about what that means for each gym leader. Milo says outright, he sees the most gym challengers, you know? And I think that's cool.
0: You can actually take this, this region and almost compare it to a, a real life thing where like, in the past it's like all right how do these gyms even stay open who pays the electricity bill uh-huh. which like no one has ever thought ever when playing a pokemon <laughs> right game. but like now it's like oh because all these people probably pay an admission to go watch this
1: yeah and the, the atmosphere of those gyms is just top-notch i i love that music so much <laughs> right it's fantastic <laughs> oh they killed that i am not somebody who tends to to notice the sort of background or ambient music of things unless it's really sort of pointed out to me or, or heavily featured um i wish i were but i just for whatever reason i'm not but that music you just can't ignore it because you just get so hyped you know <laughs> like it's yeah, just so it's good. it's really good they tapped into something and and did it did it magically
0: and the gym leaders aren't just like glued to
1: their gym either, which is awesome. yes, I love when they do that. I love when they let the gym leaders be like actual citizens of the region
0: <laughs> right, you know, and I'm not going to spoil the post game because I don't know how far anybody has played, but sure, in the post game, the gym leaders take big part in it,
1: yeah which I, I i don't know why they don't always well i guess at this point it's becoming a little bit more of a standard feature but to different degrees certainly some of them do right. a little bit more with it than others but I, I i i wish they had done that earlier and i wish they would continue to do that more and more to to larger degrees because these are important people within the region you know like right. everybody would know who they are they have a really prominent job they're considered you know incredible trainers so you have to imagine that they would be sort of tapped to address or tackle certain issues within the region kind of like i don't know if you ever played the the pokemon ranger games yep first off i love those games i think they're so fun even if they're very simple in concept (laughs) something about them is really fun
0: i agree they're very good
1: but you have to imagine that gym leaders would operate to an extent like the Rangers do, where it's like, okay, there's this issue, and we need somebody to address it, and it's Pokemon-related, so who do we rely on? Well, right. in this world, we don't have Rangers all over the place, so I guess we probably would call on the gym leaders. It makes sense, so I don't know. It does. Write them in. <laughs> and, and, like, the way Leon went throughout the
0: game, and he... um. He's the champion. So every time something big went down, like when the Pokemon were Dynamaxing, he went to take care of it, and he told you, no, you go to the gym challenge, I'll take care of this. Right. Well, he should be. He's in charge, right? Yeah. Quote, yeah. unquote.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. It's sort of, um, it's it's a bit reminiscent of of royalty, but from a meritocratic perspective, right? Like, right. he's sort of in charge and has these responsibilities because he's the best trainer there is. Right. Um, and if somebody were to be better, then they would kind of take over those responsibilities. It's cool. It's really well done. They They really wove a lot of those things together in a way that feels genuine and pretty seamless throughout
0: it makes me wonder like had anyone at pokemon with this game was like why do
1: we keep sending the 10 year old to do all these these problems (laughs) and and not like the champion right (laughs) yeah i kind of wonder about a lot of those conversations (laughs) (laughs) um i'm glad that they seem to be having them (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah i uh were there any gym leaders that were particular favorites for you I really liked Nessa. She was cool. Yeah, I,
0: I, I like the first three actually. I like Milo. I like Nessa, and I like um, is it Hanu? Was that his name? Uh, Kabu. Name? Kabu. That's what it was. Yeah, I like the first three because I feel like they they just go to t- together very well. They yeah. felt like a team of like okay, we're like the first challenge you're really gonna p- face, and like we're gonna push you forward.
1: Yeah, yeah, I liked that because. You know, at this point, we're bound to see gyms that remind us of other gyms, and I don't think that we're going to get to a point where they do really elaborate or things that are, like, too cute with the gyms, where it's like, this is a gym that only uses cat Pokemon. Like, they're not going to get to that point, right? (laughs) Right. It's always going to be typing. So we're bound to see you know, water gyms over and over and over again. So doing it this way was really nice because it gave those starter-type gyms kind of a purpose and a reason for being where they were. Right. And you're right. The fact that they were sort of viewed as a trio I really liked. I think that's one thing that kind of carries over a little bit from Alola, where there's a sort of, like, grouping of the gym leaders. Mm -hmm. And I I like that quite a bit. I'm trying to think of which ones kind of stood out to me. Kabu stood out because... That was probably the first one where I was like, oh, okay, like the Gigantamax stuff is, is you know, you can't just do the same thing every time. And then uh, Melanie, I kind of had the same thing. Melanie was the first one that I think didn't end with our Gigantamax. I don't think, I'm trying to remember. I'm not sure exactly how that one played out. But it was the first gym battle where I was like, I can't use a particular formula for this. Um it can't be the same every single time. She took out more of my Pokemon than any of the other gym leaders did.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah. So she's she's pretty rad. Um which version are you playing? I didn't even ask. Um playing Shield. Okay, gotcha. So we have the same same gym leaders. Yeah, they're two two
0: different ones in Sword, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I knew of the two that they announced, but did you know that there was a second pair? I didn't know until one of my friends was playing sword
0: and we were about at the same time. And I went to talk to him about it. And uh, is it Melanie and her son? Is that the one? Yes. yes. And I I was talking about that one. (laughs) And he's like, what are you talking about? I had a boy as my gym leader. I'm like, what? Yeah. That was the first, which I love. I love that they did that.
1: I like it a lot and I would be, I would be fine with them continuing to do stuff like that. I don't think it necessarily makes me feel like I'm missing out on anything. It actually makes me feel like that's like a more robust, uh, game because they, you know, I don't know. They added a little bit more to it. And I think it's cool that they, for that part pairing specifically, I don't really know how this works in the lore, but I do like the fact that it's a mother and a son. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. I think that's really, really fun. So our fourth question out of five, so we're nearing the end here, was what are your favorite features and mechanics this time around, and what are you missing from previous generations? Um, We got two pieces of feedback here. Joshua Aaron Moore at Kentucky Jam says, is the wild area feature? If so, that's my favorite. If not, then definitely Pokemon boxes being available on the go. I still miss Pokemon walking behind me. I also loved the SOS system as a way of shiny hunting in Gen 7 and wish that would have made a comeback.
0: John Hendricks at JC JCHendricks320 said, The quality of life additions are my favorite new aspect. Which I have to agree with, John. Oh, yes. Box available outside of PC. Fly by pressing plus uh, in the menu. Fly from Pokedex entries. Access to TMs from Pokemon Summary. The TRs versus TMs. Dude in every Pokemon Center that remi- remembers moves in Name Raider, among other things.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes, <laughs>
0: the quality of, of life in this game is just so much better because it takes away all of the stuff that just like wasn't necessary to yeah. make the game good.
1: You know? Yeah. Things that were sort of tedious for no reason that you could explain. Right. I love that that John here points out the the NPC in every Pokemon Center that can remember moves and write names and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, because it was always so annoying that there was one cuz i never mm. remembered where the one person was no right. matter how many times <laughs> i went there i constantly would have to look up like oh shoot that's right where is the move tutor where's the you know where where are these single npc characters and there wasn't really a reason for them to be right. singular outside of i guess being kind of a checkpoint but you could do that here and still have them be available in every pokemon center after the checkpoint is reached you know right.
0: I think we're starting to get to the point where it, in the in the original days of like RPGs you had all this like grinding and all this other stuff because of the limitations of the software and the hardware sure. I believe and I think we're at the point where it's just not necessary
1: anymore. Yeah, and I don't think Pokemon wants to be that game. Right. You know, I don't think
0: they want the kids playing these games sitting there grinding for hours and hours just because <laughs> they want a Charizard.
1: Right. Yeah. You know? right yeah the the um the point of entry has has really sort of opened up with the past couple games with the sort of experience sharing and the quality of life improvements and just eliminating a lot of the barriers to entry and to continuation of these games Um, so i i appreciate all those those just tiny little things that you you wouldn't even necessarily notice if you hadn't been playing for a handful of generations you know
0: Right. And I know a lot of people have problems with the experience share because they say, you know, it it ruins the that aspect of the game. But for me personally, it makes me use more new Pokemon because in the past I would get the six and just stick with them because they were leveled up. I would never like get a level five new Pokemon and then level it.
1: So like now I can just throw it on the team and it goes up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah because the amount of time you'd have to spend with something outside of your team was incredible it was so much so much additional time and then you'd have to try to figure out like is it worth it or not now it's it's always worth it to throw something new on there because you can very easily bring it bring it to where your other pokemon are kind of like right. i said exactly um yeah i uh it is strange that you as you can't turn it off in this game right i don't believe you can now. I, I appreciate experience share. I don't turn it off, but I could understand people wondering why you can't turn it off. I, I don't see why that couldn't be an option. Yeah, I agree. But for me personally, it's not, it's not a bother at all. Cause I, I wouldn't be turning it off. Yeah. I keep it on too, but
0: I don't see why they didn't just include it. Like the last games.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, The wild area, we talked a little bit about the wild area already. I do love the wild area. Um, I know John was kind of critiquing the way it looks. (laughs) I think it looks good. (laughs) I I, I understand where people are coming from and that it's not like, it's not knocking me out of my chair, incredible graphics or anything like that. Certainly the rendering distance isn't great, but I also don't think that they... I don't think the rendering distance is something that is the way that it is because they couldn't do more. I think it's just like a, a choice. Right. I don't know enough about it to know whether that's true or not, but I'm guessing part of it is a choice because it doesn't look janky. It, it looks consistent. And the uh, I don't know. I, I just can't help but, but think like this is still the best looking Pokemon game we've ever gotten. And it's a franchise that has never tried to push graphics. So I'm satisfied. I, I, I get where people are coming from, though. It's It's... You know, if you're if you're always playing hyper realistic games, sure, this doesn't look great.
0: <laughs> I, you know, my thing is like I don't play Pokemon games for it to look hyper realistic. Yeah. You yeah, know, and and like Every game up
1: until now, it never
0: did. So, like, I don't know why people expected just because it switched over to Switch, it was a suddenly going to be Breath of the Wild. You yeah, know?
1: and that's the comparison everybody makes, and I'm not really sure why people are making it. I mean, I get why, because the wild area is sort of like, it's supposed to, I think, evoke some of the same feelings of exploration and stuff, but we were never going to get that. No, never. <laughs> and, and I think people
0: were unrealistic, unrealistically thinking we would.
1: Yeah. So, I don't know. I think, I think it looks looks fine. And I do think it's really fun. I mean, the fact that I can spend – gosh, I've I've played probably 115 hours. And at this point, the obvious, like, vast majority of that has been in just the wild area. And the fact that I can spend all that time there means they did something right, even if it doesn't look spectacular.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and even, even the stuff like you turn on the internet and you see everyone else driving around on their bikes and stuff those little aspects of the wild area i think are really cool
1: i do like that yeah i think that's really really funny and i don't i don't know if there are people who don't know this yet but like talk to all of them because they give you free stuff (laughs) yeah lots of ingredients yes yes yeah do you do much of that stuff do you do the camping or any of the curry things i've done a little bit
0: of it but i haven't really gotten into it just yet
1: yeah I, I do camping when I'm in the wild air for a long period of time because I can heal and restore PP and HP and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um so for, from that perspective it's it's really beneficial but I haven't yet made a concerted effort to like fill in a curry dex or anything like that. It's just sort of each time I do it I I try to do something different just cuz I know there's a curry dex but it hasn't been a concerted effort yet. Yeah. It's kind of fun. I don't I mean, I don't know. I the curry thing—it could be probably more involved, but I don't know that it needs to be. So yeah. I don't really have any sort of. Good it's a good critique. little side thing. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a thing to complete once my Pokedex is done. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm so close. How is your Pokedex coming along?
0: Um, I want to say I'm about 60 Pokemon away.
1: Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. I think I am b- because of the the full beautiful hearts of so many surprise trade enthusiasts. <laughs> i'm at i think like 376 out of 400 yeah that's awesome very very far along and i'm just gonna say i would not have even attempted this get ready for it everybody who's a Dexer who still listens to this show for some reason i wouldn't have even tried to fill the pokedex if the national dex was still a thing i get it too much i get why people want it but there's i just wasn't that person who was gonna try and think whatever you will of me. I don't care. But knowing that there's only 400, I was like, that's so accessible. Of course I'm going to try. Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this will be the first time since probably Gen 2 or 3 that I've even attempted to do that.
0: Yeah. I. Um, it's been a while since I've actually completed a Pokedex. Just because it's it seems so crazy to, to do when you have like a thousand Pokemon, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, again, it's just that accessibility thing. I think the vast majority of players weren't trying to complete Pokedexes. I have to imagine a higher percentage of people are attempting to do it this generation than have for the past three generations, you know?
0: I've definitely seen more people post it on Twitter that they've completed it than I ever have in the past.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I would believe it for sure. All right. And then our last question that we asked was basically just anything goes, ask us anything you want, tell us anything you want, anything you're thinking, let us know. Um, And just one person responded to that. And that was John Hendricks at JC Hendricks 320 said, I need a flapple plush. This isn't happening fast enough. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen the first five non-starter plushies? Um, And then he mentions that they are Corvanite, Eldegoss, Gossiflor, Dreadnought, and Wulu." I have seen them. I think they are unsurprising choices. Yeah. He says they don't look bad, but none of them are Flapple. <laughs> and then he adds uh, a question for us. With the inclusion of the new Pokemon, does it change your listings of what you consider to be your favorite Pokemon? I still consider Squirtle my number one, but Flapple has become my number two. <laughs> Clearly, I'm obsessed with Flapple. <laughs> <laughs> um, huh. That's a good
0: question. For me, I think Toxtricity probably got into my top five, honestly.
1: Yeah. I would say I'm I'm bad at doing rankings because then I just regret them the moment they come out of my mouth. But Well, it's so hard. I know. There's like eight hundred some. So I can right. say very confidently that Toxtricity cracks my like top twenty five, which is still a high percentile. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And probably even higher than that. I really, really like the design, the concept. I like it practically. Everything about it really, really lands for me. Um, yeah. So I agree. Toxtricity really made its way high up on the list very, very quickly. I also, like I said, Thievel was a was a very early favorite for me. Nickit and Thieval for some reason just really click with me. I love those designs. I like the fact that they are simple but very distinct. You know, they're. Yeah. I I always pick on my 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 ducklit uh ducklet is just a cartoon duck and it does nothing for me but Nickit <laughs> is a cartoon fox that feels like a pokemon so something something about it is different and something about it yeah. lands in a way that that some other ones that are just cartoon versions of their animal don't so those are a couple that stand out right away i don't know as far as like favorites i'm not sure i'd have to think a little bit a little bit more i wonder what about starters like do you think there are starters that from this generation that would have made their way into the upper let's say like upper 25% that upper quarter area?
0: I would probably say, Yeah, honestly, I really like all three. And I don't know if that's just because like the games are still new, but like I think all three are pretty solid.
1: Yeah, I uh I think I think Cinderace probably would be in like my top tier. But all of them, I think, would be in the upper half. Like, I, I would be surprised. I haven't really thought about it. But just knowing that, like, Gen 4 starters are not ones that I'm in love with. Gen 6s aren't ones I'm in love with. Like, I think there are probably a number that I would, would probably drop below all three of these. Yeah, I agree. Well, I we've approached kind of an hour, which I think is which is a good amount of time. Was there anything about these games... Uh, that you've been thinking about josh that you want to talk about or highlight or any any questions you had to pose
0: I, i guess like what do you think is going to be the lasting things out of this game that you think might carry over
1: Um, I think, well, I think the, the probably easier answer is some of the quality of life things I think are probably here to stay. I think some of the stuff that carried over from let's go solidified itself. So I think we can expect that Pokemon will be on the overworld from here on out. I think that the less obvious answer might be, hmm. I'm hoping
0: that some version of the wild area will be in every game going forward.
1: I'm I'm hopeful that that's the case. I don't know yet if I believe it will be just yet because I would need to know that they're going to do something different with it each time. And I have confidence that they could. I just wonder if they will, you know, or if they will attempt to have the wild area be this generation's characteristic thing. And then the next generation will have its own characteristic quote thing kind of parallel to mega evolutions to Z moves to right. to Gigantamax. I'm hoping they don't go that route with the wild area. I hope that it just there is a wild area in every in every game moving forward. Right. I think some of the cultural stuff will continue to solidify itself. I think Kalo certainly moved us in the direction of having a very distinctly inspired by a part of the world culture in its region. Mm-hmm. Alola I think really set that in stone. But Alola was so out there that I wasn't sure if it was going to keep us on a path or if it was going to be its own little diversion, you know? Right. This, I think, really tells us that Alola wasn't just an anomaly. They're going to explore a strong cultural region every single generation. Um, I think it it became clear with this one that that's going to be the case. So I, I look forward to that. I know there's plenty of speculation about, like, where in the actual world will they go next? And I can't wait to see what they decide
0: yeah i i love when they they actually pull from the inspiration of like the setting yeah it it makes sense because that's how the real world is
1: yeah well and why not right like the world is 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 so plentiful and diverse like Mm -hmm. if you go to a new place in their world every time why not pull from what's already kind of there and 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 working um culturally i guess you know like i don't know exactly
0: because you don't want the same same thing over and over. Nobody
1: does. Yes, exactly. And that's I think they kind of got into that rut a little bit because Generation 5 and Univo was meant to be sort of based on America and New York City, but it doesn't really feel like it. You know what I mean? It was right. inspired by, but it doesn't really have that vibe. After that generation, I think they must have realized like, We can't just make another place to go. We've got to make a destination. Exactly. And they've, they've, I think they've hit home the past two generations on that, especially. Yep. I also think the, the, I mean, the forums are definitely going to continue, but I think what we can expect moving forward is a lot more of these. Furthered evolutions by region and branched evolutions for things that we are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Berserker and Mr. Obstu- Rhyme and Obstagoon, I don't think they're going to be things that are not followed up by things similar to them. So I think maybe the lasting legacy of this generation is that the concept of evolution is going to sort of explode open a little bit in a way that they haven't explored as much in previous generations. You know, Derek on a previous episode that he guested on mentioned that Digimon has been doing these sort of complicated evolutions for a long time. I don't know that Pokemon's going to get to that point, but I think they're going to move closer to it where you might start with one thing and choose the path of evolution you want to go down with it.
0: And it makes sense. You know, with the the last region, they said these Pokemon evolved this way because of the region. It makes sense that they would be able to evolve further in other regions that suit them better.
1: Sure. Yeah. No, I I think it makes a lot of sense. And I I look forward to whatever favorite of ours is going to surprise us next. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's see. Before we sort of sign off, uh, Josh, thank you for joining me on this. This was cool. I, I kind of like the structure of this a lot. I'm, we'll have to do it again at some point to do this sort of feedback guiding a conversation. But thank you for joining me and sort of uh, indulging the experiment of it.
0: <laughs> thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, if people want to find you, where can they find you? They can find me at
0: Talking TalkingTanuki on Twitter
1: cool i mentioned at the top of the show you can find me at icky Bully on twitter and if you are into spider-man things uh, you can catch me on walloping web snappers a spider-man podcast here on the four-eyed radio network where my co-host derek and i are attempting to watch every single spider-man cartoon ever made um, and we are currently working our way through the second season of the 90s animated series, which you can watch on Disney Plus along with us. And if you would like more information about Victory Road, you can find that on episodes and contests at Victory Road Pod on both Twitter and Facebook. Feel free to give us feedback on the show or give us suggestions. And if there's anything in the world of Pokemon that you know a whole lot about and you'd like us to talk about it or you'd like to appear on the show, just let us know. Until next time, We're headed back to the Pokemon Center. Gosh, I didn't think of one again. (laughs) Uh, To uh, uh, make curry and explore the wild area. Bye. the great shows, check out www4